0: My name is Lana. For those of you that don't know who I am, I know most of you probably do. Uh, We've got a lot of COL people. But for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Lana. And I um, am a mother of two kids. Uh, one is 21 months. Her name is Lila. She's a spitfire. And she gets it from her mom. And... Um, and then I have LJ, and he we call him Jesus. He's like, he's so sweet, and he's so kind, and just easygoing. And he's eight months. So we definitely thought that one through, you know, 13 months apart. But they're good kids, and I'm going crazy pretty much raising them. But um, I'm, I'm at home with them. But I also counsel during the day. I'm a counselor, and I counsel at a um, children's advocacy center. These centers are all over um, Texas, actually. And what they do is they help with kids that have been either physically abused, sexually abused, or witnessed to a homicide or suicide. And they aid those kids in whatever they need, therapy or whatever it is that they need. So I've been doing that for the past two years. and. Um, I can honestly say um, that what I have learned from that is that the world is an absolutely broken place. it is a broken place without jesus, and that was probably the hardest thing for me as a as a counselor but also as a minister uh, of the gospel we 're all ministers of the gospel and that was probably the hardest thing for me to realize that I could not fix some of these people and some of these children that were walking in my door, and uh, aside from from the Holy Spirit and Jesus getting a hold of them, nothing could fix them, and that was hard for me because I'm a fixer. Is anybody else in here a fixer? I'm a huge fixer. I want everything right in my life. I want everybody happy in my life. I want everybody to be you know you know eaten out of. Those little unicorn bowls, you know what I mean, and just having fun in their life. But life is not like that. Life is messy and it it has there's a lot of brokenness in this world. And the more that I look into this world, the more that I see a place that's very scary for my two children to grow up in. It really is. Um I truly believe that we are in the end of the end days. We are in the last days. I really believe that all you got to do is look at the um, you know, you got to watch Fox News and you realize that we're on the we're in the end times, amen. So I want to go ahead and get in the word and just preface this um what we're going to do uh, tonight with um 2 Timothy 3 and 3. And it talks about the dangers of the last days in this, um, in this scripture piece. And it says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from From people like that. And down um, a little farther down on verse 12 it says yes and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. Okay. So I'm going to give you all one more scripture reference that you can read at home. We don't have time to read it today, but it's very important. It's Luke twenty-one, five through thirty-seven. And it's basically Jesus speaking about the future. He's talking about the deception of the church, and he's talking about the signs that will follow his coming. So that's important information. Amen. So I you know, thinking about all this, how how do we figure this out for our kids? How do we go about life? and have peace and joy and how do we how do we teach our families right from wrong what do we do in these end times to keep our families from being deceived to keep ourselves from being deceived god gave me 3 strategies for our families and for us to use for ourselves and it's number 1 to know who you are in christ To know who you are in Christ. Number two, to remain in the vine. To remain in Jesus. And number three, to serve. So we're going to go through all three of those tonight. And we're going to get into the word. And I truly believe these are real strategies to combat the enemy during these times. The first one's to know who you are in Christ. If you don't know who you are, the culture will quickly tell you who you are. Amen? There are two areas that the enemy really attacks women in particular, and that's self-esteem and condemnation. Self-esteem and condemnation. I'm a psychology buff. I love psychology. And so one of the things I've studied and one of the things I've noticed is is that little girls, from the time that they are little bitty, they, almost all of them, no matter what kind of house they come from, even if it's a wonderful home, they have issues with self-esteem. Why? Why does a kid that comes from a good home have an issue with self-esteem? The reason is that from a little girl, we are inundated with messages that say this. You are worthy if you are beautiful. You are worthy if you're a certain dress size. You are worthy if you speak right and you talk right and you have the right color skin. That's what makes you worthy. So these messages get ingrained in us from the day one. And men have a whole different other ball of wax that they have to deal with. But this is the main thing for women is self-esteem. And so the enemy uses this against us. He uses this to completely show us and tell us who we are and make us think that this is what we have to be. That we have to be these people that are just, you know, nothing but a trophy. Nothing but, you know, something that's on a magazine, a piece of meat. Amen? So. So why are we talking about self-esteem tonight? It can be the difference between an affair and being faithful in your marriage. Knowing who you are in Christ can be the difference between a good marriage and a bad marriage. Knowing who you are in Christ can be the difference between having confidence in who you are and liking who you are and being envious of everybody. Amen? The Bible clearly tells us not to compare ourselves to one another, but what do we do? We, We compare ourselves to one another. That's what we do as women. We constantly do it. We have to know who we are. So what does God say? So let's go to Psalms 139, 13 through 16. And it's the message version. And I absolutely love, I love this scripture, 139, 13 through 16. It says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul. I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I even lived one day. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So God's made you not only perfect, he's made you a masterpiece. And he has a plan for your life. Amen. As women of God, wouldn't y'all agree, we should have the best self-esteem out there. We should be teaching the culture about self-esteem. It shouldn't be the other way around. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, um... The second tactic that the enemy uses to keep us from knowing, who, from knowing who we are in Him, is condemnation. So we've all heard that scripture, Romans eight one. Um, there is no condemnation to those who be- belong in Je- to-, to Jesus Christ. We've all heard that. If you've been um, a Christian for five minutes, you've heard that. Um, <laughs> you've heard that scripture, but um, but why don't we believe it? Condemnation literally means the expression of very strong disapproval, giving someone a punishment or a sentencing. So literally what that means is there is no condemnation, no punishment for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And what do we do? We punish ourselves every time we fail. Society says you need a punishment if you do something wrong. So that's what we think. We think that we have to have a punishment. So we tell ourselves, I can't, I can't pray today because, you know, I yelled at my kid and I, I told the Lord I wasn't going to do that anymore. Or I can't go to church today because I messed up with that guy last night. And, I mean, how many times do we do that? We punish our own self. That's condemnation working in your life. That's not the Holy Spirit. Amen. Condemnation will keep you from the Lord. Condemnation will keep you from salvation. Condemnation will keep you from your calling. It truly will. The word says, and I think sometimes Jesus sits up there and says, Do I have to, you know, I've already gone to the cross for you one time. Do I have to do it again? I mean, he's just, he has already taken our sin. He's already taken our punishment. It's, it's done. It's a done deal. The word says in Hebrews 4.16, it says, Come boldly to the throne of grace where you will find mercy. God's grace is here for you to try again. I want you to write that down. God's grace is here for you to try again and again and again and again and as many times as it takes to get it right. That's what his grace is for, for you to try again. Amen. Remind yourself every day of 2 Corinthians 5.21. We are his righteousness. We are in right standing with God because of his grace. Not our own, but his grace. Thank God for that. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Peter is such an awesome example of someone who consistently messed up after he gave his heart to the Lord. (laughs) That's what I love about Peter. He was so jacked up. This dude was so messed up. He had so many problems. He was impulsive. He said these stupidest things ever. He had an explosive temper, so much so that he literally cut a man's ear off, and Jesus had to put it back on, you know. Here Jesus is, he's like, I'm the Messiah, come in peace to save the world. And his his followers are cutting people's ears off. That is so messed up. But, you know, (laughs) Peter was my first cousin too, for sure. So he had this horrible temper, okay? He reprimanded Jesus. (laughs) He irritated Jesus so bad that Jesus called him Satan. You know you have messed up when Jesus calls you Satan. You're in hot water when Jesus calls you Satan. But he did. He literally called Peter Satan. After all that, he boasts that he would never deny the Lord. He tells, I'm going to be so true to you, it's not even going to be funny. And what does he do? He denies Jesus three times. He was a traitor. If anybody did something like that to us three times, we'd be we'd straight up say they're a traitor. He was a traitor. And what does Christ do after that? I love what Christ does. He restores Peter. He not only restores Peter, but he makes Peter the rock of the Christian church that we know today. Wow. He was the foundation. That's what he was. So I want to read that portion of scripture just because I love it so much. When Jesus restores Peter's ministry. Um, John, it's John 21, fifteen through 16. And it says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. He called him into the ministry for every time that Peter failed, he called him into the ministry. That's our God. That's who he is. He's mercy. Amen. He's grace. Don't let condemnation steal your salvation or your calling. Peter failed over and over again, but he never gave up on Jesus. The difference between Judas and Peter, they both denied God. They both denied Jesus. They both betrayed him. But the difference between the two was Peter never gave up on Jesus. Despite his failings, he kept going, and he never gave up on Jesus. And that's what God, I feel the Holy Spirit saying to some of you tonight, that he does not want you to give up on him just because you failed. It's nothing to him. It can, he can wipe it out just like that. Your failure is gone with the with the with the blood of the Christ of the uh, Lamb. Amen. It's gone. So don't let your failures get to you. Amen. If you've messed up. Shake it off. Ask God to forgive you and keep going. Amen. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to go into our discussion time. And we're doing this a little bit different than probably the last time um, um, your leaders are going to lead you in discussion. I really encourage you. Pastor Cindy hit something today about vulnerability. Be vulnerable in your groups when we talk about um, these different questions and the um, the word and everything. If you're not vulnerable, You're not going to get anything out of it. You've got to be vulnerable. You've got to open up and you've got to be real. If we can't be real with each other, we can't ever find freedom in different areas. Amen. And we all need freedom in certain areas. Amen. All of us. Number two strategy is to remain in the vine. To remain in Christ. The word says remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Um, If you guys would turn to you girls, Romans 8, 1 through 9. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. By giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. See that right there shows me it's a choice. Amen. Thinking about things that are controlled by the spirit versus sinful things. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature was always hostile to God. It never obeyed God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. So all these scriptures, what they mean is just be connected to Jesus. Be connected to the vine. Be connected to Him through prayer, through worship, through uh, through um, reading the word every day, getting in your Bibles, listening to people on TV if you've got to. You know, I know I'm a mom. It's hard to, to get that time with the Lord. But it's important to be connected to the Lord. You know, all of us as as moms and all of us as wives, we know when our hubbies are kind of not connected to us. Amen? Amen. We can feel that disconnect. And sometimes there's times that I'll tell Larry, you know, I feel, you know, kind of disconnected from you. Maybe we haven't talked to each other for a couple of days. We've been super busy. Or he'll say the same thing to me, you know, I haven't talked to you in a whole week. Let's sit down and do a devotional together or something. And we get that connection with one another. We sit down and we talk and we get that connection and we feel that connection. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. When we don't get that daily connection and that daily walk with the Lord, we are literally severing ourselves from the Holy Spirit's voice in our life. Amen. So, um... If you spend time in prayer and reading the word, it's really hard to continue sinning. It really is. I mean, that's one of the, the coolest things about working with the Holy Spirit is when you start doing what the Holy Spirit says to do, and then you sin, it's not as fun anymore. And that's a good sign. That's a good sign. That's a sign that the Holy Spirit's working in your life. So don't be discouraged, you know, because you sinned. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. That you actually feel that way, amen? That's the Holy Spirit working in you, amen? Okay, so spending time is tricky, right? Um, We've got a lot of moms here. We've got career women here. We've got students here. We've got all kinds of women here. And all of us, all of us are super busy, especially us moms, right? I can't even go to the bathroom by myself, (laughs) Let alone sit down and talk to the Lord with a little latte and, you know. I get really jealous of some of y'all's posts. Some of y'all's posts, I'm admitting something here, okay? This is good therapy. I'm admitting something here. I do get jealous of certain posts. And they're the posts where you have the perfect little cup with your latte steaming... And this beautiful little, uh, you know, devotional, and you're like, time of the Lord, and you put it on there. And I'm sitting there with matted hair and drool on my chest and possibly some type of fecal matter somewhere on my body from my children. You know, does anybody know what that's like? So I do get a little jealous of those posts, all right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Being a mom is hard. Oh gosh! So how do we remain in the vine in such a busy, busy uh, society? How do we how do we figure it out? We make the time. I heard a lady say the other day, uh, a preacher lady. Um, she said, "If I gave you a million dollars to get." To carve out 30 minutes out of your day to prayer and reading the word, would you do it? Every single one of us, unless you're just, you know, not very smart, you would do it. Amen? You, I want that million dollars. But yet, the word says that Jesus is more precious than rubies and gold and silver and anything that's material in this world. But how can we see the value in the million? We can't see the value in him sometimes. And that's not to make anybody feel guilty or anything. It's just the truth. We just do that as human beings. So we know who we are in Christ. We have to remain in the vine, remain in Christ, stay connected. And lastly, serve God and serve others. I love this scripture um, because it's so, so human. Um, Luke 22 24 through 27. It says, Then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, In this world the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table are the one who serves. The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Amen. So here they are. These guys are, these are Jesus' followers. And they are talking about who the greatest person is, you know. This is just so typical us, you know. And Jesus says the complete opposite of what the world says he says that the person that serves is the greater person, not the person that sits at the table. The higher your influence, the more of a servant you should become in the kingdom of God. This is so opposite from the American church. Amen. We don't teach people how to serve anymore. Now, I know this church is different. We definitely have. We have servolution and definitely teach people how to serve. But most churches don't really teach people how to serve. The importance of servanthood. Amen. Uh, Philippians two three says, "Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of your of others as better than yourself." Well, that's different. Don't look at only, don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. This is the opposite of the world as well. Amen. One of the biggest places I've noticed of service and jobs, uh, one of the biggest jobs that um, is mocked by the world now is the stay-at-home mom. I mean, it is. Um, it's the stay-at-home mom. And I just want you to know, and not that uh, working moms aren't special, because I'm a working mom. We're all special. But you stay-at-home moms are the ones that don't, a lot of times are not respected by people in a lot in, in our culture. So, you know what? I'm going to have stay-at-home moms right now stand up for a minute. If you are a stay-at-home mother or you have been a stay-at-home mother, I want you to stand up. Y'all give, give them a round of applause. I just want to honor you for a minute. I want to honor you. I want to honor you. No, keep standing, please. I want to honor you for wiping butts. I want to honor you for taking care of your families. I want to honor you for, for, for leading this generation. I want to honor you for doing what you've, ca- you've been called to do, and that's stay home with your babies. That's a wonderful place of ministry. It is the highest ministry calling. Amen? Amen. And so the working moms, I want you to stand up. Anybody that's a working mom, I'm a working mom. Being a working mom's hard. You get a little bit more respect because you get to go to work, right? But it's still hard. Everybody say hard. I want to honor you working moms for taking care of your children financially. I want to honor you for wiping butts. I want to honor you for taking your kids to church every week and being faithful to the house of God. I want to honor you for taking care of your children amen being a mom is tough y'all it really is i never realized it's amazing when you become a mother how much you love your mother after that (laughs) it's like it all becomes clear it's like it it does it really does it becomes clear how hard it really truly is. There's no rule book. And everybody's, you know, us women, what what we do a lot of times is we, you know, you, you got, everybody's got a, you know, an opinion about everything. If you don't breastfeed, you're a horrible mother. If you do bottle feeding, you're a horrible mother. If you, you know, stay home with your kids, you're ruining your your kids. If you work, you're ruining your kids. And, you know, it's just like it's so much pressure. But Jesus, amen? And we have sisters in Christ. We can come in and we can encourage each other no matter what we are. Whether we're a stay-at-home mom or we're a working mom, we can, we can encourage each other. And I want to talk to the wives, too, here. If, you're, if you are a wife and you're not a mom yet, you have a place of service, amen? Uh, just moms have a place of service, but wives, we wives, we have a place of service, amen? Amen? Nothing is bigger. There is no bigger calling than our families. There really isn't. It's our future. It really is. Anybody can have a wedding, but not everybody can be a wife. It takes somebody that is willing to lay down their life, be unselfish. I mean, and be willing to serve. Amen. Um. So what happens when you don't want to serve? What happens when your husband's a pig and your kids are ungrateful? What do you do then? I I want to know. I was hoping somebody would have the answer. We've got discussion groups for that. Okay. That's definitely my mom's solution for sure. (laughs) No, in all honesty, you ask God for wisdom to deal with the pig and the ungrateful children. And he'll give you the wisdom to deal with it. He'll give you the power to deal with it. He'll give you a strategy for your family. He will. (laughs) We laugh about it, but he will. Amen. And it might be what mom said. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Don't shoot your husbands. Okay. So, your family's your greatest ministry. Amen. So, if we do not serve, what will happen to the next generation? I want y'all to think about that for a minute. The word says to contemplate things. I want you to contemplate that for a minute. What will happen to this generation if we do not serve? If we do not show our families the way? Amen. If our families don't become our main priority, what will happen to this next generation? If we don't preach the gospel, what will happen to the next generation? There are souls that are depending on you to preach the gospel to them. Let me just let you know something. God is not sexist and he is not mocked. He has called you to preach the word of God. And there are literal people that are going to go to hell If you are not willing to open your mouth and preach the word of God. Amen. To tell them about Christ. We're all preachers and we're all teachers. We're all called to share the gospel. Amen.